You are now listening to Enter VR, the podcast where we talk about all things virtual reality. I am Chris Miranda, your host, and on today's show, I have uh, James Andrews, the uh, creator of Rift Wars. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, right, James. Hey, Chris, how you doing? It's James Andrew, singular. Andrew, thank you. Thank you for correcting. <laughs> uh, so, how's your day going? It's going really well. Just actually went out for a run. I find that going out for a run is a good way to prepare for a podcast. You know, you're a very active guy, and I'll get to that in a little bit. But let's talk about Rift Wars first. What is it? Uh, and, 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 you know, give me the, the elevator spiel. Rift Wars is a classic arcade game reimagined for VR. It's inspired by Star Fox and Geometry Wars, but re reimagined from the ground up for a, a real immersive experience in VR. Interesting. Why Star Fox and Geometry Wars? Ah, uh, they're just they're just two of my of my favorite games that I that I come back to playing. Particularly Geometry Wars. I after years I still uh, get on the couch with with friends and play co op in that. And it's the kind of game that even after you've mastered it, it can still really get you in the zone. I don't know if you've ever played it. Have you ever played Geometry Wars? I played a little bit. On, on, it was like on on PSN, right? Uh, it was originally, I think, on Xbox 360. Okay. It was actually originally a game within a game, and then it became uh, an actual game. And then it was re-released, re released as a, uh, there was a sequel to it called, called Geometry Wars Retro Evolved 2 that's just oh, such a great game in that even after you get good at it, it can still really get your heart racing, and it's really, really simple. So that was really inspiring because I said, okay, wow. If that's pretty simple. Maybe I can make something simple and fun too. <laughs> so, what's your background like? Where do you come from? Into how did you fall into VR in the first place? Oh, this, this is this is a this could be a very long story, but I'll give the, the summary of it. I computer wise, I had a Commodore sixty four given to me for Christmas when I was eight years old, and my life changed. <laughs> so I uh, did everything I could after that to stay home from school as much as possible to play with the computer. <laughs> so that was, that was how it started a long time ago. And then in, in terms of professionally, my background is actually right out of, right out of high school. I got involved really early on in electronic stock trading. And I got involved in this thing called electronic day trading that was uh, pretty big back then. This was in 97, 98. There was this real boom of real average people uh, getting into the stock market and doing this electronic trading. And over the next five or six years, or up until around 2001, I was involved in that whole field of electronic stock trading, and I ended up inventing my own algorithmic high-frequency trading strategy that made a significant amount of money based upon really fast transactions between markets on Wall Street. And so I ran my own, ran my own business doing that, and several times, though, in the pro course of, of making this this trading program and, and of running it, I had it stolen from me, like literally stolen from me by big, powerful Wall Street guys, people that had a lot more power than I did. I was just a kid out of high school. I didn't even go to college. And I kept getting my work stolen from me. I mean, in cases, Chris, I there were times when I came into my office where I had at the time, I think five or six Xeon workstations in 2001, these really expensive workstations that were trading the market and making many thousands of dollars every day that were stolen out of their ripped out of their socket and stolen by ex-partners of mine <laughs> wow. so, yeah and so multiple times that happened in different cases to where i said you know what i just can't, i'm not gonna try again right now in wall street i just got sick of dealing with it 
and decided to go get a regular job, as it were, and kind of bide my time and wait for something else to come along that that was a really big deal. And VR is that really big deal that's sort of pulling me out of retirement. <laughs> not, not retirement. I was Hibernation is a better word. <laughs> it's hibernation. I was watching. And VR is... VR is so much cooler than stock trading. <laughs> it's just so much cooler. It sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm really uh really happy to have something uh, better to put my time into. I I I'm I'm going to ask you a little bit more about stock trading. What what was that world like? Uh, what was it like? Uh, well, there's a lot of people who's who are very. Their goal is to make as much money as they can, and they generally don't care how they do it. So there's a lot of really bad things that that go on, that goes on there, and it's particularly bad like that in a way that I do not expect to experience and have not experienced so far in dealing with other people that are making games. <laughs> so it's it's not a it's not a pretty place. I mean, technologically, it was very very interesting. It was real high speed trading. It was it was a uh, really awesome to to program this stuff and to to run these programs it was a it was a, a lot of fun in that regard but it was the people that that ruined it <laughs> yeah and i just i'm just not gonna not gonna go back there yeah so uh-huh. now i'm now i'm making games and it's much better and it's it's what i really want to do at what point did you decide at what point did you realize that vr was here that this was the this was it well i i think the time that i the time that I realized that I really want to do this was just last November when Oculus had the first meetup in Cambridge where they were actually, I think, recruiting people to, to work there. And I made a little demo of a thing called Rift Chopper, a helicopter demo, and brought it up there. And watching people play it and seeing the expressions on their face and seeing how much it was uh, different to them. It was something that they'd never experienced and they were loving it. They were saying, this is the best thing I've ever experienced. This kind of comments were coming from them. I said, all right, VR is something special and it's it's here in that it's it's ready to give people these these incredible experiences that they're gonna they're gonna want this. And I want to give this to them because it's it's really cool and it's fun. You you know your enthusiasm is very contagious. How do the people around you react when you tell them that you're a VR developer? Well, who like? like who? Let's talk like, about uh, your, the average person off the street, your family, and and then your friends. Well, the average person off the street, I would say, they're they're starting to know what it, they're starting to know what it is. They're starting to know what it is, and they think, oh wow, that's cool. Now, my close my closest family and friends around me, the together I regard them here. They uh, they're really really into it. In fact, I've got a lot of I've got some close friends helping me with. Um, with modeling and with things like that, they're they're very very excited about it. Uh, yeah. And in terms of going virtual reality, like what do you think it will become in the next five to ten years? In the next five to ten years, it's going to be, I think, something pretty similar to what we've got. If we're talking five years, pretty similar to what we've got in terms of the. The, the, the parts of it, a head-mounted display, uh, head tracking, etc., good haptics, but everything, that fidelity of it is going to be way, way, way higher. It's going to just be much more realistic looking, in, if that's what you want to go for, much more compelling, and I think it will be before long, by then, I would hope it will be integrated into the real world such that the distinction between AR and VR uh, goes away a little bit. It might be sort of the mode in which you're using the device. You know, do you want it to be, 
you want to be shielded and be completely in the world, or do you want this display to be overlaid on top of the world, depending upon the case? And and uh, I think that's gonna that's gonna happen. This is this might come off as a random question, but how do you think the world of Wall Street will react to virtual reality in the future? I think they will react to it slowly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that they're going to do too much with it. I mean, there are certainly applications for it in, in all all sorts of data visualization, so eventually it will affect everything. But, um, yeah. Oh, okay. So, Rift Wars, what, you know, I in my mind, I know what makes it special for, and what what makes it unique from other games, but but what do you what do you think? What, what do you take away as, as something that is unique in Rift Wars that other demos don't have yet or don't? Well, there's a, there's a couple things. The overall, the main thing I'm going for there is what I call cultivation of the zone. That is, you want to get the player in the zone. That is, for them, you want to, you want to make the, the place that they're in disappear, not just because they put on a really good VR headset, but because the gameplay is actually compelling that it draws you in in a way that you can get drawn in in a game that's not in VR except in this case you are in VR so what what I like what I like about it is that even though the the demo that we've been, been showing is only 3 minutes the original release demo and also the uh, uh, demo number 2 which had a lot more cool stuff in it that I brought up to SVBR and, and that you tried mm -hmm. it's only 3 minutes but when I play it a lot of times getting close to the end of that 3 minutes I lose track of time in a really good way like i'm pulled into this thing because i'm dodging and weaving and it's just it's intense and i'm trying it, i'm trying to give that kind of an experience because it's not enough just to give something i think that is vr and just that isn't something like that might be impressive for a little bit but if you put it on and say wow i'm in vr okay but now what give me really good compelling gameplay mm -hmm. and that's that's one of the things that it has what is your how does so how how do you cultivate the, the zone how, how you know what do you have any strategies as to <laughs> yes <laughs> well, well first off one thing that it's got that i think is really important is music is important mm -hmm. i really think that music is really important for this kind of a game for an arcade game like this and in rift wars we're that we're composing all our own music now the original the original demo had uh, some music that some people might recognize from from elsewhere but now with the new demo we're composing our tracks to be synchronized with what's happening in the level. And that's one thing that, that it's got that I think really, really helps. If, if you can break through out of, out of the tunnel and into the clouds, and right when you get into the clouds, the, the synthesizers and the horns start playing this, this big, you know, hands up kind of an anthem thing, you get pulled into that. And so, so I, can, I can sculpt that, I can produce that. So I look at making a level as something like making almost a, making a virtual reality interactive music video for a trance track that I just made. <laughs> and yes. so that, that's, a, that's a big aspect of it. And, and one other thing that, it, that we've got is we're going for this look that comes about when we take really simple, simple shapes you know, Fisher-Price kind of shapes, shapes that a three-year-old toddler would like to, to hold on to, you know, really, really simple shapes. But we put them in a world that has very sophisticated lighting and shading. We're using this image-based lighting, and we're using physically-based shaders so that we are modeling things like Fresnel reflectance and other things that give this look. It's this combination of the real ultra-primitive with the really sophisticated, and it just has a unique look that, I, that I'm really inclined to keep going with because it's uh, I love it a lot. I'm looking forward to checking out your game with uh, with a DK2 on because it's going to be just an explosion of colors all over the place. I'm, I'm really excited for that. 
in terms of what is what is the final product going to look like? What what should uh, you know your supporters and and VR and you know your average consumer? What should it what should they expect out of the box from Rift Wars? Well, what you see right now is what you'd call a vertical slice, a very primitive vertical slice. It shows a little bit of of a little bit of everything that that's uh, that is core to the game, and you're you're going through these 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 levels that have all different different sorts of bright environments. You're avoiding obstacles. There's different types of opponents that are coming at you. You're you're, you're shooting. You're going faster and faster. This basic concept is the core. It would be like the the main mode in Geometry Wars. That if you see that, you get the idea of what it's about. Now that said, between now and when we put this out, we want to go in that in that kind of direction that Geometry Wars went, where rather than just having a single game mode, they had a lot of different game modes with different tasks, different goals. Uh, and so there will be a lot of different one might be, Kelly had this great idea the other day where another mode where we might go for is something like an escape mode where something's chasing you. Maybe lava's chasing you and you have to like go through these pylons which will speed you up to get you away from the lava. It might catch up to you. Know, this kind of this kind of stuff. And uh, also we want to really put in a clear sense of progression through a level. I mean, pos- like even um, possibility, the possibility of having things like boss phases where you come into an area and there's a big boss, like old school style boss that you have to like shoot his arms off before you can proceed and get get past him. So uh, these are a couple of the things that we want to have in there. And what I envision is it will be uh, a just a classic arcade game that, that has a lot more content that we've got now than we've got now, a lot more levels and a lot more modes such that as you mix and match these, you can find a lot of fun, compelling gameplay that you won't get tired of the third or fourth time you play it. I want something that you'll have on your shelf and when your friends are over or, or just sometime you want, might want to pull it up and say, you know what, I haven't played that in a while. I want to beat my last score. And you want to put it on and you want to do that. And that, that that desire is still there even a year or years after you first got the game. That's what I'm going for with it. That's exciting. That You know, you mentioned about the face, fighting the face. Uh, that sort of reminded me of Star Fox, a couple of, uh, of scenes on, in Star Fox the 64. Um, yes, and I, I'm I'm looking forward to that nostalgia uh, because Star Fox is is one of those games that I'm I'm just begging for someone to you know make a mod that will look really bad, but regardless, it'll still be in there. Um, but you're doing the real deal. Will that? Will, are you including multiplayer in the first release, or is this? What? Well, it's interesting. We've we've talked about this. I talked about this a little bit on uh, several other podcasts I've been on that the multiplayer thing that we've got on deck. And that we already have a prototype of, very, very rough, but we've actually got a little bit of a prototype, is our project that we're currently calling Rift Wars Arena. And the idea is this, that what we've got right now, I don't know if it lends itself too well to multiplayer, unless you want to turn it into like a race, which even that, it's a little bit forced. But what I really would like to do multiplayer in VR is I would like to get into the Rift Wars world, you know, with the, 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 the look, the feel, the craft, the physics, everything that you feel when you see that you're racing down this tunnel, but make it that you're not racing down this tunnel type level, but rather you're in an arena with like four on four dogfight combat in VR. So that's, that's really what we want to, what we want to have after this, some sort of like old school, like sort of like the game Descent. Did you ever play Descent? No, it sounds familiar. <clears throat> it was it was one of the first multiplayer games that came out right after uh, right around the time of Doom after Doom and and it was just so awesome to get on there and play with just one other person over the internet and and dogfight and I want to have that kind of experience in VR and right now it's not out there. 
Oh yeah, it's definitely not. And yeah, that sounds that sounds awesome. Do you have an estimation as to when the game will be done? These are all not yet because you know what? Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a floating date in so far as the release of CV one is a floating date <laughs> in a way. Mm. <laughs> you know, there's there's certain uh, there's no there's no point in getting it out there right now when there's uh there's not enough of a marketplace yet. Yeah, there's no hardware to support it. And in terms of uh, CV one, are you? What's your timing going to be like? Are you are you even thinking about timing it with along with CV one or for you it's it's done when it's done? It's done when it's done, but I would sure like to have something out there as soon as CV one is out, so people can say, "All right, I got this cool thing. Now what can I do with it?" Mm, <laughs> for sure. What about your learning process? How did you go from you know getting a regular job to in being involved, you know, creating Rift Topper? to now, you know, Rift Wars, like how, how did you learn the things that, how did you know what, what you needed to learn and how did you learn the, went about learning? Well, I, I should say that along the, along the way, I've been doing a lot of, I call it serious hobby kind of programming for the last 10 years. I've been doing a lot of things that are relevant to this, just not exactly making games. Like I did a lot of work three years ago already, uh, hacking the original Kinect, and I made a motion capture rig out of it that will allow you to animate a robot or some other character that you could you could stand in front of the Kinect, and then you can put, put the body on, essentially, of the robot and move around, and then you can call people on Skype, and that's what they would see, <laughs> you mm-hmm. as this character. So I've been doing that kind of stuff, and so transitioning into game development in Unity, it's not so much learning brand new programming skills, but it's been learning through sort of the Unity way of doing things and, and just how to build a game in Unity. And it's been, it's been, a, yeah, a lot of learning, but there's such good, there's such good information out there right now. And, and it's so easy to get answers to your questions if you need them online that you just, you just go at it, go at it and learn what you need to learn each day. What's the most difficult thing about making a, making a game or, or making a VR experience period? The most difficult thing. I would say something that's a lot more difficult in VR with something like like this anyway is the requirement that whatever we do we have to make sure that everything runs at a really great frame rate hmm. that you've got to you've, you've got to keep everything running at a really great frame rate and there's certain things that might be acceptable in some other game that are certainly not acceptable in VR it'll just kill it so you have to be really aware of that kind of that kind of stuff and um, other than that it's it's been it really hasn't been filled with a lot of really difficult things. It's been more of just a, a a journey of discovering how how simple it really is to put all these things together. I can't believe everyone's not making games like this. Yeah, no, it's 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 so. In terms of like the the frame rate, do you feel like it's a limitation, or, or do you feel like it's you know how do you how do you go around that issue of the frame rates? You know, it, it is a limitation, but it's the kind of limitation that can. Uh, lead to a style so for instance because there are these these criteria that's going to lend that's going to that's going to lend itself toward the idea of using more primitive geometry uh, simpler shapes things like that and so out of that limitation can come a, a, a look which is its own thing and it looks really cool and people say hey that's great and they don't realize that it was born out of, of a limitation of the medium and that happens that happens all the time yeah in, in art Definitely. What, what what about the art style? How, where did you get your inspiration for the art style of the of the whole experience? I would say that it's 
really just the combination of a lot of micro decisions on on my part, mm-hmm. uh, particularly like to to uh, you know the floor is made out of hexagon tiles. Why? Because I was looking around in my texture library and said, "Wow, hexagons are cool." <laughs> you know, I'm gonna <laughs> put that in there. And then the the rest of the art style, for instance, as you're flying through Rift Wars, you've got uh, you've got various arches that you fly through and pillars, etc. And most of them, if you'll notice, they're actually very very simple creations. It's because I'm not an expert modeler. I mean, I, I understand how to talk to expert modelers, like 3D modelers, but I'm not the one that's going to necessarily be best spending his time making a really complicated model. So I said, well, let's just make really simple models. And what came out is the first level of the first demo of Rift Wars. What is, uh, completely sidetracked, what is your opinion on Unreal Engine 4 at this point? Have you? I think it is beautiful. I think that the products, the end products that I'm seeing coming out of it, just out of the box, are technically brilliant. And I believe it's easier to get a a look like like you see in a lot of these demos out of the box in UE4. But I am not persuaded to switch yet right now, uh, mostly because I just love certain aspects of the workflow in unity that i would lose if i went into ue4 and i think it would slow down my development cycles it's it's a lot more unity is a lot more uh fitted or is a lot more is a lot better at allowing me to sort of improvise as i'm coding to sort of jam on something and try things real time it just seems that it's it's quicker in that regard oh wow how many hours uh on average do you work on rift wars uh, like per week, for uh, It's hard to – let's see. Well, I have a day job. So I have a full-time day job. So most of my – well, my time on Rift Wars is, is nights and weekends. And so I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to put an actual number on it, but that's mm-hmm. basically what it is. It's nights and nights and weekends or whenever I whenever I have time. And, that, and uh, that's that's how it's been for quite a while now. It'd be – you know, it's just amazing how many developers I meet that are doing this out of, you know, out of their spare time. And I just – it could I can't imagine what it'd be like if you were given a budget to go work on this just full time all out like I you know it'd be so encouraging um but but man keep at it because you're creating something really really awesome I'm excited for it awesome thanks Chris yeah so for sure what do you uh what do you think is going to be like the the biggest technical challenge going forward for in trying to integrate with other VR headsets. Are you going to integrate with other VR headsets or are you sticking uh, solely with Oculus? I am very, I'm, I'm very interested in integrating with the other platforms. I mean, I was really impressed with the Sony Morpheus and I was, uh, I've already been talking to some of those guys at, at SPVR. It was great to meet the Sony guys there to talk with them. And uh, I think three or four of them, three of them from Sony actually played Rift Wars <laughs> and liked it. Nice. And so I've already been talking to them about, about the uh, roadmap for, for getting on, on Morpheus. And, and I've been talking to, to Ed at Game Face Labs about making some version of this for the Game Face. And so, sure, I would love to do all these things. And that's another reason that, that Unity is a, a good choice, uh, because Unity will be able to target the PS4 soon. That's what I was told by the PS4 guys. And so if that's true, then that means that, I will have I have a platform here that I can get to the other devices without too much difficulty. What does your uh, production line look like? You know, in terms of like how you go about getting things done. Do you have a checklist? Do you just go at it and see what isn't working? What what is? What, how do you go about doing that? Well, I should I should bring up I don't know if we mentioned it that it's 
you know, Pixar Otter is not just me. I think you know that. It's it's me, and also particularly, I've been working a lot with with Kelly McNeil, a developer that I met at the Boston Meetup originally, and also I've been working with a, a modeler named Peter Fisher, uh, he, who's a uh, Hexagon Nine on Reddit. Shout out to um, uh, Peter and Kelly. <laughs> yeah, and so we have come together remotely via Basecamp. So we use a site called Basecamp, which mm-hmm. I don't know if, if you've ever used Basecamp, but Please, it's a can, really yeah. Can you explain it? it? Yeah. It, Basecamp is is one of my favorite online web apps. It's a really great lightweight app for uh, collaborating in groups. So you can make message threads, you can post uh, post content, post images back and forth to each other. You can make to do lists, a, a real simple to do lists, and you can make uh, events like uh, deadlines, etc. And so we uh, we use that very productively to talk about what features you want to implement and then to divide up the work and to say, Hey, I say, Kelly, you know, do you want to take this? He's like, yes, I'll go take this. I take something else. We put them on the to-do list items. We check them off and it's pretty simple, but it's really cool to look at that base camp site and I can scroll all the way back to day one when I said, hi, Kelly, let's start this project. (laughs) And the whole history of the development is in there and I can, I can scroll through the whole thing and read it. And it's, it's a great, great, it's been a really great uh, workflow to work remotely like that. Uh, because we, we we don't need to come into an office together, but we have this uh, sort of sense of presence in the base camp. Wow, that's uh, that's so cool. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, ten years ago, would that have been technically possible for people? To- uh, let me tell you how far it goes. The answer is no. Well, maybe <laughs> ten years ago, base camp may have been out, but. But it's this. But it's not just Basecamp. There's also we also use a, we also have been using a program called HipChat, which allows you. It's like a instant messenger. Mm-hmm. That I actually this winter there was a day when I was riding my snowboard at a little mountain called Camp Gaw where I work, and uh, I'm really into snowboarding. I, I ride the snowboarding park all the time. like do all the jumps and everything. And I was riding down, and I had this idea for Rift Wars, this idea for something that we could do. And I wanted to talk to Kelly about it, but I'm there in my snowboard in the snow. And so on the lift, I bust out my phone and I go into HipChat and I hit audio, rec- uh, I hit the voice dictation button and I, with my gloves on, I start dictating this really kind of complicated English sentence about something I want to do in the Rift Wars world development wise. And it worked and cool. it posted it. So I'm there, out, I'm out snowboarding, inspiration strikes. Moments later, there's a record of that sent to our, this uh, this this chat room that my other collaborators can respond to from whatever they're doing, and that's just awesome. That's a really really great way to work. That's that's really cool. Is do you think that's the future of of development, or or would it or would it be more? Uh, do you think it'd be more? You'd be more productive if you had a, a regular office. I, I think that I, for me, I want this sort of development to be the future of development, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna work my best to, to make it that way. Because I I don't want to enter a career or a uh, I don't want to enter an undertaking that means that for the next ten years I'm gonna be stuck inside a room. 10, 12 hours a day behind a monitor coding because I have to be there. I think there is a, a much better way to do things, and I think having a having a mobile workstation is a great is a great step. Uh, and that's a that's definitely a great step. And I'm very interested in whatever kind of technologies will help get me out of the office, even when I'm making VR VR games. 
That's yeah, I'm totally with you on that. I'm I'm 100% with you in terms of like especially being uh, uh, the people that were like we're pushing this 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 ecosystem that is going to become in my opinion an, a whole economy and I think that a, a big part of that economy is people will just not have to commute to work and you know it'd be it'd be kind of silly if 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 we the the VR community started going back to the old paradigm um but but uh, yeah keep doing it i hope you it, it's, but the question that i that rises to my mind is how do you work on the same unity build is, does unity have a way so that everyone can work on the same build at the same time oh i'll i'll tell you and i i'll get a little I think it's good to get a little technical here because I know a lot of the people who are listening to this are, are other developers. I can tell you we use um, Plastic SCM, it's called. It's a source control management plugin that's sort of something like a, a GitHub, but it's particularly – it works – particularly it's integrated well with unity and it just works so well because at any point we have this graph of all of our changes and we can go in and if we want to try something we can just right click on it and make our own little graph and now unity will switch to our own workspace that has a copy of everything that's fresh that we can work on and won't mess anything up and so only when it's done and we say all right that worked then you can go and you can pull your changes back into the main main branch and the since the beginning of working on this, we really haven't had any significant problems where we stepped on each other's toes. And that's saying a lot because I, in traditional software development, that can be a big, big problem. And it can be something that can really halt the, the progress of a project. And I'm pleased to say that we've had none of that. It just It's the smoothest development process I've ever had in my life. And it's you, really cool. And you recommend that plugin to anybody who's interested in... Uh... It's a it's excellent. Yes. Awesome. That'd be yeah. That's that sounds that sounds like something like out of science fiction to me. How you guys are. <laughs> yeah. It's so cool. Um, let me ask you about monetizing. What are you? What in your mind? What do you think are are going to be the ideal way to monetize on on your VR experience? Is it going to be microtransactions? Is it going to be a subscription model? Is it going to be straight up? Give me money and you can get the game. Uh, that is a very insightful question. The fact that you put the word uh, microtransactions in there. <laughs> it's funny. I was I was planning on talking about this anyway, and I, I want to mention something that I haven't spoken about in public uh, at all yet. But I think it's going to be a big deal. <laughs> now, for Rift Wars itself, I think we'll probably end up doing a, a very traditional model. I don't know if it's going to appear on Steam or on the Morpheus or an Oculus Share that has money attached or something like that or all of the above. It's going to be something traditional. However, for Rift Wars Arena or whatever that it shall be named, this idea of having this VR multiplayer combat uh, simulation where you get in there and you duke it out with, with your friends across the, the VR world. And uh, here's my idea for that. I have an interest in bringing the world of Bitcoins and of cryptocurrency into the world of virtual reality gaming. I want to be the one to do that. Now, here's how it would work. Are you familiar with Bitcoins? I somewhat? am. Very, yeah, very much okay. so. Okay. So, you know, I think most of the, the listeners are from, quite familiar with Bitcoins. Mm -hmm. So, here's what I'm thinking. Why not make a VR competitive arena where you put Bitcoins in and you get Bitcoins out based upon how you do? So, something like – think of it like this, like an arcade where both players put in their quarter – you put in a quarter, I put in a quarter. We go into arena, we, we dogfight, but when you come out, if I got you, basically I get your quarter's worth of Bitcoins mm. minus my five-cent fee for, the, for facilitating the service. <laughs> yes. Now, can, can you imagine a game world 
where potentially it could even be so detailed that that as you're getting hit points off of the other players, you're actually taking bitcoins from their account into your account. Now, are you with me so far? I'm 100% with you. Okay, now, here's why this is really interesting. Are you also aware of the world of what's called uh, Major League Gaming? Yes. You know what I mean by that? Okay. Well, uh, some of the users may some of the, some of the users some of the listeners <laughs> may not be. So let me just run down real quick my understanding of it. Is, and that is that right now there's this rapidly growing uh, phenomena of competitive computer gaming where professional gamers get together in arenas. For instance, when they came to LA recently, they sold out the largest, I think it's called the, Sta- the Staples Center in LA. They sold it out very quickly. Uh, it's really, really popular, even in America now. Mm-hmm. And these guys play these games like uh, League of Legends and StarCraft. And it's sort of like basketball teams playing back and forth. It's like a five on five kind of a thing. And these guys are making upwards of half a million dollars a year, some of them, these competitive gamers in these tournaments. But to get into that, you have to be really, really elite and dedicate your life into it. And there's big, big amounts of money that go into this, into even entering these tournaments. But what I'm talking about doing is bringing this kind of gameplay to everyone in VR. I am with you. Please, uh, I, I am not worthy, dear leader. Let me follow you. I'm, I'm still. No, but it's just a matter of it's the, you, know, you don't need to follow me for it, except to, to the games that I make. Yeah. So, so, so the so you bring this amazing idea up and uh, to the table, and the the you know when you when you when I think about VR, uh, you know, I, I think there's going to be a whole new industry of 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 people who are going to be. Um, I, I think the future of sports is is in the long term in the long like eventual uh, is going to be somewhere in virtual reality um, somehow you know but but you know but in my mind what I was thinking it was going to be like a physical thing where people were actually running around in a giant room and they had VR headsets on you are simplifying that a lot more and I and I think what you're doing is you're taking the the, the right step the baby step where we ha- we we work with what we got and yet we can still have a competitive uh, league slash sport, and you know, I am comp- I am familiar with like you know major league gaming. I think Twitch, Twitch. I think it's Twitch.tv that hosts them. Is it? Yes. So Twitch.tv is about to get acquired by YouTube for one billion dollars. Um, and yeah. it goes to show like yes, this is growing and it's gonna get big. And like I remember living in Korea for like a couple months, and I was at the gym once. And uh, the the thing that they were showing on the TV screens, you know how you go to the gym here, like they'll play baseball and they'll play, you know, football or whatever sports. Yeah. Over there, it's StarCraft tournaments. And I'm I like, that, yeah. I'm bench pressing, I'm squatting, and I'm like, I'm watching a StarCraft tournament go all out. Like, this is hilarious. Yeah. Um, Someone told me that when they were at a Subway there, the, the Subway sandwich shop, the posters on Subway were not, was not like Michael Phelps, the swimmer, but it was these gamer guys <laughs> in Korea. Yeah. <laughs> I... So it's a it's a big it's a big industry and a big deal and and I I really want to bring this bring this model in to uh, on a much smaller scale so that everyone could, could put their quarter in the machine. I mean, what what arcade did you ever go in where you put your quarter in and there was a chance you could get almost fifty cents back? <laughs> yes, I like that a lot. Wow, yeah. that'd be amazing. Okay, but but, but right, let's take a let's dissect this a little bit more uh, because not everyone has access to Bitcoin. Um, and, and so how how do you, you know, how do you expect the uh, how do you think people will, 
we'll get get around that. Will you have to? Will will people have to get Rift Arena and then uh, they'll you know you'll have a, a I don't know like a, an API that'll plug into uh, a Bitcoin wallet or or something and immediately the moment you have Rift Arena you have a Bitcoin wallet without thinking it. it. There's, it, at first, I, at first, it might be something where that does require a, a bit of a, a Bitcoin savvy, at least to know how to, how, at least to have a Bitcoin wallet. Mm-hmm. But I, I do believe that there are more and more services popping up where it it will be possible soon, if it's not possible right now, to turn a credit card transaction into uh, a Bitcoin wallet. So that, for instance, uh, just like when you go to the arcade, you put your your five dollars or twenty dollars or whatever in the change machine and you get change there will be a way i am confident that that we will we will have a way we will find a way to enable regular people to get their money into the into the currency of the of the game world is this legal you know that is actually a very interesting question and the answer to it is Yes, because oh. this is not money that we're talking about. So it's not regulated in the way that typical money-based transactions are regulated. This is bitcoins. We can we can send bitcoin address, we can send bitcoin transactions back and forth to to each other all day long and there are no regulations around it at this point. The only so, thing that the US government is seeing it as a as a commodity, so that's so that's not an issue there. I I don't believe it's an issue right now. I don't okay. think there's anything that prevents this sort of thing from happening. What about real money? Could you? It, it, would that would that be too far? Would that be like, all right, you guys are gambling, let's shut it down? Or, or... I, I I don't want to I don't want to do it with real money. There's too okay. many problems with real money. With real money, there are too many people along the chain that take their cut of that real money as you're transacting it. Yes. <laughs> you you there's a minimum size of transaction you keep and do with with real money or, or so-called real money. I would call it fiat money. That uh, these limitations are not there with bitcoin for instance in bitcoin do you realize the smallest division of a bitcoin it has a name do you know what it is do you hear about it Please do. it's the, the smallest amount that, that i could send to you it's called a satoshi <laughs> oh. and what it is it's point uh, uh, i think it's point oh 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 one I think there's seven zeros. It's I, I, you have to check on me on that. I might be off on the exact number, but it's such a small amount that you can send that its monetary va- value is fractions and fractions of a penny. And so that that opens up a lot of really interesting possibilities. That it's, it's even possible to make such small transaction. There's no transaction too small for the network, and that's not that's not the case with with regular currency. And yes, it's not regulated. That'd be yeah, and so like the NFL, they they take their cut from the players, they take their cut from uh, you know the the seats and the the you know you you are cutting out the middleman as much as you can. You're becoming uh, uh, uh you're becoming the middleman, but like you're not being as in, intense as like these other established uh, brands, I, I guess. And so. Are you going to just make it – is this just going to be like a simple thing where like people just play against each other or, can, or could this turn into like a, a real league that will be live streamed somewhere? Um, what's your I li- think it's certainly – I mean of course right now we're, we're definitely in the realm of, of – uh, it's – it's a, what's the word for it? It's it's there's some speculation at this point, but it, there is determination behind it. I mean, this I I don't have this planned out much beyond what we're talking about right now. But I know I know that I want to I want to do this in some form. Now I have given some thought as to where it could go, and some places that it can go are, are very interesting. For example, the the Rift Wars Arena 
could, there could be multiple sub arenas in it that are open to the players setting their own stakes. So if people are really, really good, there's no reason instead of putting a quarter in the machine, maybe they want to play with a whole Bitcoin. <laughs> that, mm. That's fine by me. <laughs> and, and so there could be a, a league type play that, that could arise based around people, uh, choosing the stakes that they're willing to play to play for yeah i would that you know i just thinking about like two dudes two insane dudes with a lot of money and nothing to do like putting fifty thousand dollars up front all right let's go at it and then i'll like watch it on youtube later on and see this <laughs> no, the, the trick is to make sure that that the game is still fun for people that don't have fifty thousand dollars to play, and I think that's where the idea of having the the, the open stakes. So if people want to play with with quarters or with less than quarters, maybe who, I don't know the exact economics of it, but I want I want this to be available to to anyone at any economic level. I don't want to cater only to rich trust fund kids that can sit home and play VR <laughs> VR arena all day, Ripwars Arena, and that I don't want to close it down to other people, but maybe they'll play for, for lower stakes if they're just getting going. I like your style. I, I like your style very much uh, in terms of that. So ultimately... Um, it, yeah, I'm so I'm so excited for that. <laughs> I'm really I really want to play that now. <laughs> yeah, that's man, that sounds really good. Oh man. Yeah, so imagine you could get you could take your VR mask off and then you could go out and you could buy a steak dinner with your winnings with Bitcoin somewhere. You think people <laughs> are gonna? There's more and more places you can do that. So you could literally go out and buy dinner <laughs> with with your winnings from uh, from a tournament game. Would you say? Are, are do you think people will be able to make a living out of it? Out of just playing I, Rift Wars. I think it's it's too soon to to comment on that. Okay. I think that the potential is certainly there, and the the potential is there. Let's just leave it at that. I dream of a future where jobs are gamified, uh, like all jobs are gamified. Somehow you don't go to work, you're going to play. Um, and and play is good. Play is good for the human brain. Uh, I I think. Yeah, and I think what you're doing, and please keep doing it because you are leading uh, or adding your your little your little piece to a revolution. You know how they say like the revolution will not be televised. I think the revolution will be gamified instead. Um, in terms of... I think that that's a it is a good idea to make your work like play whenever you can, for sure. Yeah. All right. So you're you're having fun, like you know, developing this game. Uh, but what is your like deep inside? What are your what is your motivation? Why are you doing this? Well, I like to, you know, there's a there's a definition of love that a friend of mine came up with. He said, "Love is the desire to be the appreciated source of another's joy." Okay. So hmm. I want to make I want to build things that are going to give people joy and and make them have have excellent beautiful experiences there's uh that also goes into a lot of the things that um our decisions as to what we will and what won't put out in the game for instance i'm not making horror games i don't want to shock people i don't want to make people say gross you know that kind of stuff mm -hmm. i want to make people say wow that's amazing and i want them to take the rift off and feel like they're they're in a, in a better mental state because they just had this really beautiful experience and so these are the kind of things that get me excited to, uh when making games it's like like you said when you uh you mentioned my my coinage of the 
the term Stevie Wondering. Hmm. You know, how Stevie Wonder, he's always there with his head going back and forth. And you can just see he's really, really into and enjoying this moment right now of, of music. And I go for that. I want to see people's heads doing that because I want to, I want to, I want to make experiences that that make people respond like that it's just it's really rewarding to to be someone that's that's giving people these kind of experiences that they really enjoy it's just great i'm i'm so happy to hear that like uh, that you are uh blazing your own trail along with pixel router route router and your your, your team uh, that yeah because I, there is a bit of a i think a trend in creating a lot of horror games not that that's a bad thing but i i i personally I'm not a fan of horror movies. I don't want to give you money so that you can scare me. I want you to, you know, give me pleasure. And pleasure meaning, you know, f laughter. Uh, damn, I, damn, you told me to keep it clean, but ah, uh, uh, bite my tongue. I was going to say laughter, orgasm. Um, that's well, pleasure. There's nothing wrong with orgasms. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. Good. All right. Uh, so, so in terms of, like, uh, your workout schedule, because you are probably the fittest VR developer I've ever met. Um, what are you eating? What are? How are you working out? Uh, spill the beans, sir. Okay. Uh, well, it depends what season it is. Okay. But I'm always I'm always outside. Uh, I'm always outside a lot during the winter. I snowboard a lot. I snowboard. I'm not I'm not professional by any means, but I I ride almost like it in terms of my dedication <laughs> to it. Like uh, there was this year, there was a time that I was was snowboarding nine days, and I think I only uh, missed one day out of nine days in a row. I would snowboard on the way home from work, and actually that's where, as I mentioned uh, at the conference, that's where I programmed a lot of Rift Wars. I programmed it in the lodge after taking runs on the snowboard mountain and getting myself uh, and and just having a real good time on a couple of runs while I'm thinking about what I need to code, then I'll come in and code. And so I did that a lot. Now, you know what I do a lot is as much as I can on the weekends, I drive up to the Catskills, which are mountains here in uh, upstate New York, not upstate New York, mid, mid New York, that are about two and a half hours from New York City. And they're, they're big mountains. They have some of the most challenging hikes that, on the East Coast. And so it's like 2,500 vertical feet sometimes in, in the space of just a couple of miles. And so I routinely on the weekends, whenever I can get up there, and, not, and it's not to sort of unwind from the VR development, but rather I go up there with certain questions in my mind about how the gameplay is going to work, particular code questions about how my class hierarchies need to be laid out and very detailed questions. And as I'm hiking and up these, up these trails, the ideas just start coming to me. So for me, physical exertion and the creation of endorphins, that sort of rush that you get, that you really, there's no substitute for, for, for getting there by, real physical exertion, I find that that's when I have the most creative thoughts. And so for me, I'm driven to be more physically active because I want to get myself motivated to do something creative, particularly lately in VR. So there, there's that. And then another thing, and these are things that I, I recommend to anyone who uh, is, is doing VR development or just has an office life, just try to get some amount of this kind of outdoor activity in it just is so good for your for your health and your mind yeah. and so i have a gym at my at my day job at work and so i go down there for about five minutes at a time and i just do one thing like for five minutes like on the way back from lunch today and this is something i recommend to anyone if you have a gym in your building or something at work a lot of people do uh, on the way back from lunch 
I, uh, I ran down to the gym. I didn't even change. And I just looked at my phone and said, all right, what was the, what did I do last year? What did I do last week with bench press with dumbbells? And I said, okay, 95s. Really? Did I do 95s nine times? Oh boy. Oh, there's only one more bigger one. There's hundreds. All right. I'm going to see how many I can do with hundreds. And so I picked up the biggest dumbbells and just did one set as much as I could. And then went back up to my office. It took five minutes. And just that little bit, that little bit of exertion totally set the tone for my afternoon. And I had a great afternoon because my head was in the right space and my body didn't feel like it was heading, heading toward getting old because I'm sitting in this chair at my work just with that five minutes of, of, of exercise. So that, that's, uh, that kind of sums it up. That is, uh, I think in another life you were probably a mountain man. Uh, <laughs> I, I have, I have been a rock climber growing up. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, that's really cool. And I, I totally agree. I think, I think getting outside and getting some vitamin D is, um, is, is, is so good for you. Um, I, I don't know where I, I read this headline of a study that I don't know might or might not be true, but you face the physical exertion, physical exercise does, uh, enable the creation of new neurons. Uh, I probably pulled that out of my butt, but anyways, it, 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 you know, the point is like physical exercise and just being physical is, is good for your brain. I, and yeah. I, I, I agree. I, you know, I just, uh, today I, I you know, uh, before doing this podcast, I, I went to the gym and you know, I'm not, I, I, yeah, I like your style in terms of you do the five minute sort of interval. Uh, I go, you know, I, I do, I do my one hour and a half and I get out, I get out of the way and I'll see you in the, in, I'll see you in two days, Jim. But I like, I like, I like your style. Um, that's really I, cool. I do that. I do some of that too. I, I definitely go through times when I'm fully in the gym, but I'm finding I don't need that like to maintain. I just need this, you just need a little bit. You got to get something. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I like it. <laughs> you, you know, I'll tell you a story. I, at, uh, at SVVR, I, I was there the first morning of, you were there the first morning, mm-hmm. right? You were for, you were there the first day of SVVR, correct? Yes. Yeah. And so right before the, uh, there was about to be the 60 minute, 60 second pitch session where you can get up on stage. I was just feeling like I wasn't really quite on. So with my computer set up in the lobby, I had it set up there and it was about 10 minutes away from, from that first uh, session, where, which was going to be the pitch sessions. So I just literally, with my badge on, ran outside. And there's sort of that little highway there next to the convention center. And I looked across the street, and I saw a Gold's Gym over there. So I was like, yes. <laughs> so I hopped the median and ran across the highway through the traffic with my badge on. Oh, ran my in there God. And said, and said, where's the manager? <laughs> and I said, I said, hey. I'm at, a com- I'm at a computer conference over here. Would you please let me use your gym for five minutes? I'll sign something if you want. He said, today, yes, sign over there. So I signed, go in the gym, and just, like, hit bench press, curls, like, hardcore, like, real, real, real intense for about ten minutes, and then ran back across the road, snuck back into the conference, and no one knew I was gone. <laughs> wow. Yeah, man, I saw – I noticed, dude. I saw I saw you were pumped. I was like, dude, <laughs> yeah, that – Speaking like a true uh, professional there. I like that. Very cool. Man, you are you are intense, man. How many hours of sleep are you getting a night? You know what? Right now, I do get eight hours of sleep. That's good. I, I think it's possible. I, I've been thinking about trying to, to work with that a little bit, but I know that I operate well with that. Yeah. I know some people can do with a better with a or can do well with a lot less but i know that eight i'm fully charged so i try to make make that happen yeah i don't make compromises with my sleep either it's it's one of those things where like yeah i i i need it and, I, and i'll get uh 
as much as I as I as my brain requires. Um, so sometimes I'll go uh, between um, I hover between seven and a half to eight and a half hours. Uh, so it's yeah, it gets the job done. Um, cause yeah. sleep is so important. I mean, yeah, you really do need sleep. Yeah, I think sleep, water, uh, sleep, water, it, and and a good diet are very very much overlooked. Uh, yeah. In terms of staying Especially healthy. Especially among among us programmers, I'm speaking to the other programmers on this who are listening here, are among um, the the programming crew. There's a lot of uh, there's not much attention given to the physical plane in general. Yeah. Um, and it's it's important to be healthy. To, to yeah. I yeah, a hundred percent agree. Are you so? In terms of like the future of this industry, what do you think is going to be the biggest obstacle going forward for it? The biggest obstacle. Hmm. I don't. I don't. I'm not really thinking in terms of the biggest obstacle. What do you mean? The biggest thing that's going to prevent what from happening? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, so the biggest thing. Uh, so so in my mind, because I'm I'm always thinking about these these things. Like you know, I'm I'm thinking about like what is it that could slow down VR? What is it that could stop VR? And I and in in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, it could be. You know things like what Palmer Lucky said: bad VR is is VR's worst enemy, right? So so things like you know uh, 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 other camp companies that I won't name putting out a, a shitty headset and people will be like turned off by it. The other thing that I'm also wor- worried about is like the marketing aspect of virtual reality and making sure that it's accessible to the masses. Like you know I don't want people to think like oh it's, this is just for kids, it's just for nerds. You know it's for everyone. So so in that sense, for me like those are the two big biggest obstacles like the message you know and the bad hardware i think it's going to be like a tsunami breaking down a wall of sandbags though oh, okay <laughs> because because you know why because i'll tell you i i've i've uh, one thing that i've done recently is um i last year i coached on a snowboard racing team at my local mountain so i got to hang out a lot with uh a bunch of younger, younger kids. And some of these kids are real intense gamers. Like there's this kid, there's this kid who's in fourth grade and he, he was telling me how he's like level, level 92 in battlefield or whatever the number is. And how he's, his kill death ratio is like 90 to one. Yeah. <laughs> and he's way better than me. He's like this next generation of gamer as it were. And he, when I, when I showed him the rift and when I showed the other kids at the mountain, the rift, and this is months ago when no one heard of it. They were just so into it. Once they put that on, once they put it on, they were they were sold. They were they were into it big time. And I see the way that these little kids respond to it. I think it's the kind of thing that that once a couple of these the, the a couple of the younger generation get these get virtual reality headsets on, they will very quickly start looking at things on a screen as something old fashioned. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 gonna happen like that. I I do believe. Yeah, I see the world with VR covered lenses now. Now that you know, I've I've been using the Rift for the longest time. It's like movies just don't feel the same. Uh, the other day, I went to go see go see Godzilla, and I was just like, man, if only this thing was was around me. <laughs> like, if only I could look up and see Godzilla, that would be amazing. Um, yeah, and and I and I'm I would say equally as excited about AR too. One of the things I really want to build or to or I want to build at some point is this thing I've been conceiving for a while. I call it the, uh, the shreds up display. <laughs> okay. I want to have snowboard goggles on that overlay on top of my view in bright daylight, 
video game-like graphics that are marking out things and, and putting a, a layer on top of my physical vision. And right now, that's not really doable. The, the, the closest thing would be something like Google Glass, where things are in your in a corner of your vision. It's mm-hmm. not really over your vision. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's that's going that's that's on the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the the stuff that uh, that Cast AR is doing, their technology of the little projectors could potentially lead to that, for example. And that's really exciting. The idea of having VR type overlays in the stereo over top of your regular view as you're doing other things in your in your life. Yeah, I you know when I think about AR I, in sort of an application that the likes of which you're talking about, I'm, I'm immediately taken to thinking about RoboCop or and the Terminator and getting Terminator vision or RoboCop vision and 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 looking and walking up to people and the camera on the glass or AR headset would look in their faces and already would be able to tell me if they're lying, their heart rate. The you know uh, you know all all sorts of things that cameras can detect that human eyes can't. I I I, I don't know. That'd be really cool. I also want infrared. I want to have night vision. I, I know this is a pipe dream sort of stuff, but like I would love to have like superpowers basically <laughs> from from augmented reality. Um, I think we're gonna see a lot in that, in that space. It's gonna be cool. I look very much looking forward to it. In terms of, are you thinking about? Uh, your next project, uh, you know, I know you're really in, into being uh, the into the mountains and snowboarding. Are you uh, thinking about other, you know, your next thing in terms of like bringing that passion to VR, like your passion for well, outdoors? I would, I would sure love. I I don't have a particular plan for it, but I sure would love to make a, a great some sort of a, a snowboarding VR sim. I thought of a cool one. You call it Gap Jumper, where you, where you have to jump over big road gaps, like fifty foot. Gaps in VR, like spinning over the roads, it would be so cool. But I'm not planning on making that right now. But it's something I would love to. Uh, I would love to explore. Let me ask you about the metaverse. Do you think there will be a metaverse? And if if and if you don't, why? And if you if you do, tell me what it would look like. Well, I think it's 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 already happening a little bit here and there, and I, I do I do believe it is on the way. And I'm not sure if it's going to be one thing or many things but uh but already for instance let me uh, i'll tell you the story about the other other night and uh i think you were even there you were there as it were in vr chat yeah remember sunday night right we log on and we are in the hall that we were just at in california because it was digitized and so we're in the svdr hall you were you saw that right yeah for for the listeners that maybe were not there uh the guys from a company called Matterport used their really super duper connect scanner kind of a thing. It's not really a connect, but it's based around the same kind of technology to scan physically a big portion of the hall, including the tables, including the Oculus Rifts lying on the tables and the banners and all this stuff that I'll tell you, it was a really unique experience to log on to this to this server and be in VR and be looking around at a place that I would just flew back in from, from California the other day. And I had just been there. And not only that, but a bunch of the people that I had seen, including you, Chris, were (laughs) right there. And it was like, it was so, it was, it was a really pretty deep experience to feel that, okay, a few days ago, I was just looking at Chris face to face. And now I'm looking at him right here again 
in the same place <laughs> and I'm, I'm looking at looking and realizing that that uh, he's already got the ability in there these guys are not he it's like a couple of developers mm-hmm. it's uh jesse and graham right yeah uh that uh they've already got the ability to bring in your own custom avatar and we're, we're there talking with each other i mean at what point does something become the metaverse <laughs> i think there are there are uh there are elements of it already right there in that we've got this particular little thing where we're able to get in this in this virtual world in, in VR and talk with each other in a model of a real space. That's really cool. I mean, I think that's that's if that's that's really neat. And that's the beginnings of it right there. I found it to be very profound. And for a little while, I was, you know, I wanted to challenge my, myself into thinking like, okay, you're trying to take myself out of out of the VR bubble that we're, we're, we reside, reside in. And I, and I think about like, okay, if I were a regular person, you know, what does this VR chat give me that a real world interaction doesn't? And I was thinking for a sec, and I looked to my right, and there was a piece of fruit talking <laughs> next to me. And it just made so much sense. Yes, <laughs> I didn't question it at all. He was a, he was he was an apple, yeah. and it had the word a piece of fruit. And when he would talk, I, or when he would move around, it would it would kind of move a little bit, I think, and it just worked. Yes. <laughs> And that's when I realized, okay, this this is why. Like, I I am listening to an extremely eloquent piece of fruit uh, tell us about his <laughs> VR opinions, and I was like, all right, I'm sold. This is it. <laughs> yep. It's gonna be amazing. How big do you think it's gonna get? What do you think? What parts of life and whose jobs are gonna be taken by the metaverse? Oh, I I think it's gonna it's gonna be huge. It's gonna touch all aspects of life. I think that. That first, though, the thing I'm focusing on right now is, I think, is the, the gaming aspects of it, the entertainment aspects of it. I mean, even with uh, with VR chat, I'm thinking, all right, how cool would it be if we could somehow make it so that not only could you bring your own avatar in, but there's a way to kind of bring entire experiences with you. So I could say, hey, guys, as we're chatting, why don't you all hop into these updated Rift Wars speeders and let's play rounds of Rift Wars in this space that I just brought with me. You know, I brought the Rift Wars world with me because I just I just brought that with me and other people can bring their own things into the world. So I think this idea of sort of uh of, I think gaming is gonna be is gonna be the first obvious place that it's gonna be a big deal. Mm-hmm. Where do you see yourself in all this? Like eventually, are you trying to sell a company? Are you trying to grow a huge uh, monumental business or are you just trying to make a really fun game at the end of the day? What is it? <sighs> Well, I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to make a really fun game, and also I'm, I find myself, I really drawn toward the role of, of, of orchestrating at multiple talented people together. I think I'm, I'm, that's what I really like to do. It's been great so far already working with with Kelly and Peter and several of, of, of my friends also on this. That I would love to get to get more and more people that I can work with to make more than just one game because as as an individual as as just a single indie there's a a point at which you can't do anything else because there's just only so many hours in the day but i would like to uh grow a studio that uh works with a lot of very talented people to build a lot of games that all have a a particular kind of feel to them you can tell that they're coming out of pixel router they have that that feel to them what's a good piece of advice that you keep in mind when you're when you're you know when you're juggling all these projects around and when you're uh, collaborating with with mm. with your team uh, deadlines are your friend oh. that is if you don't make deadlines for yourself then you will just meander 
on and on and end up wasting time. But if you give yourself a deadline, especially a deadline you absolutely can't avoid. I love those like like a, a meetup that's coming up and you got to get something done by it. <laughs> Things get real clear when you know, okay, well, I've got four days and I have all these ideas. It's not going to help me just to have these crazy ideas unless I can turn it into the product in four days. <laughs> and so setting particular uh, deadlines for yourself is really is really good. That's awesome. Is there is there a, a a lesson that you've learned recently that you wish you've had that, that you wish you had in your tool belt six months ago, nine months ago? Mm, well, the one thing that I learned about Rift Wars SPVR is I really should have taken the time to put an option on it for inverted controls. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> half the people, half the people were like, "This is so awesome," but. I can't control it because there's no inverted controls. <laughs> and that's something that, that I would have done differently because, you know, it would have been real easy to do that and it would have just avoided that problem. <laughs> that problem. Yeah, I well, I, thankfully I'm one, I was one of the people that didn't uh, didn't mind really the not inclu the inclusion of the not having inversion controls. Uh, so that worked out for me, but so cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what did what did you think of what did you think of the newer Rift Wars with all the new tunnels and everything? You had me, Stephen, wondering, man, uh, the whole time. <laughs> like I was in there, and it, it, the the music was right. You you had it you had it time just right. It felt like I was, uh, no joke. It, it felt like I was in a music video, and it was a, a fun music video um, that I didn't want it to end. Like it was really good. Uh, and at the same time, you added the nostalgia of Star Fox. Like it felt like, oh, okay, this this has this this little aspect of of, of one of my favorite games of all time. And 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 I yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. And I can't wait, dude. I'm I'm honestly like waiting, uh, like at the edge of my seat to get a DK2 and then go off and show off Rift Force to everyone I know. <laughs> I would love to get a DK2 and see how like, I can't wait to put it on and see like oh there goes the screen door <laughs> yeah. yeah do yeah. you think the oh. inclusion of the camera is going to uh, how do you how are you going to tackle the inclusion of this this camera for positional tracking uh, is that going to be at all an issue with Rift Force the, the inclusion of the camera particularly you mean the, the positional tracking that results from it what do you mean uh so so how will you uh, how will you integrate the positional tracking into Rift Wars? Be, be, well, I, I guess the camera is a mute point, but yeah. Yeah, I think the the most uh, the most obvious thing that that has to happen once you get positional tracking is that if you have a character, an avatar, as we do in Rift Wars, you're a robot there sitting there, you can't just uh, you can't just put the camera in the middle of his head and not move the robot because when you lean. He's got to come with you. So what that means is I'll have to uh, I'll have to rig the character so that when you move the character when you move your head positionally, it'll actually move your character's head in his in uh, on his body and uh, in his seat. So when I'm leaning out of the the Rift Wars craft and looking down, the the, the model itself has to do that. It can't just be fixed into place. Otherwise, you could turn around and look and see your head sitting there not moved. So from a development standpoint, that's that's pretty much the, the first thing that I think of, and I'm sure we'll come up with a lot of other uh, interesting uses of it once we start playing with it. Let's say I get into a time machine and I ask you, uh, and, I, and I meet your 10-year-old self, and I ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you think you would have answered? Mm, I, I probably 
probably would have said something to do with with computers. I mean, at that point, I was huge into uh, into the, the Commodore sixty four and into into gaming. I probably would have said I wanted to do something with making. I would have. I don't remember if I actually wanted to make games particularly, but I, but I sure loved that computer. <laughs> I spent so much time on it. What was it? What what was it about it that attracted you to this machine? Ah, uh, it was the ability to have dominion over the cosmos <laughs> in a small in a small way. Mm-hmm. It was really satisfying the first time that I got that computer to be able to type a few keystrokes and then see my screen fill with numbers because it was counting. <laughs> wow, that was really cool. Or to be able or to be able to. Uh, instruct a turtle it was called to go around and uh, and draw a square by by going forward a certain amount and turning right four times mm, that's called an algorithm i just thought that was so cool and uh and as i went on i just started to really really love the things i discovered in terms of uh computer graphics and math like for instance i discovered early on the mandelbrot set the fractal geometry that's just so amazing how that that is just uh that just exists it's there that's beautiful and the, and the computer is like the microscope that allows you to see into these worlds and and whether it would be uh the mandelbrot set or early on i was working with software that would allow you to make landscapes and it was really really primitive in the day de- in its day and you need to to lead the computer computer on all night to get a frame <laughs> that now we need to do 60 of them a second but um just that ability to to build beautiful things uh inside of the computer world that particularly things that 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 emulate the outside world i just really fell in love with that was it hard finding people to relate to growing up because of your interest in computers? I, I, I again, I don't, I have no frame of reference of this time or anything. I was just wondering, and and what, what, and like when you went out to date date girls, like were they like, you know, what would they say when you brought up your? You know, it's funny. I was very much like on the borderline of being a nerd and a cool kid. <laughs> like I, I, I was, I would sometimes like disappear for weeks cause I was doing some computer thing and I like wasn't hanging out with any of my you know, regular school friends for that time. But then I'd come back and it was like, I never left. So it, I really kind of, it was really kind of separate for me. I really, you know, I did all normal kind of things too. and was always out doing active things and, you know, snowboarding and all that stuff, even as I was a, a young kid. And, um, the computer stuff was always just there. It was always just something that I always did alongside whatever else I was doing. Nice. That's, that's really cool. All right. So it sounds like you're ready to walk with me, uh, for a little bit into the rabbit hole. Uh, so, so what do you think of, uh, simulation theory? The, the idea that, uh, you know, people, more or less crazy people have been saying that we are all just inside of a giant computer simulation. Um, and for all we know, this we could be living inside uh, CV10 or CV15 by now, and we just don't know it. I'm well aware of this theory, and it is just the latest deception and lie that people are putting out there to try to explain away the obvious truth that there is a creator, he's the programmer, there is a god, he created this world. It's not a simulation. It's a reality. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you that I actually – I'm one who believes that the Bible is the word of God and that he created this world in six 24-hour days 6,000 years ago. I believe that. <laughs> and I believe all this simulation theory is uh, just the latest excuse for people to get away from 
the truth that there is a programmer. And this is why I, I should say, let me refine that. There is a God, and I regard him as the programmer of, of all things. And this is why I take such joy in making simulated worlds. It's because they reflect the kind of beauty that I see that he created in this world. And I want to do likewise, because it's, it's glorious. You know, he, he said, let there be light. Now I open up unity and say, let there be light. And it's awesome. Wow. <laughs> so that's what, I, that's what I believe. You don't think he'd be mad because you're playing him? Well, I'm not playing. I'm not. I'm not usurping his his role and his authority. I'm rather uh, doing in like manner to him in a way that he has fully approved mm-hmm. and said uh, and said, "Fill the earth and subdue it." He wants he wants uh, people to to have dominion over the cosmos. It's it's a good thing to learn how to put things together and and to build and to uh, and to do art and all of and all of these things in in a way that that glorifies him. And that's what I seek to do with the work at Pixel Router. Wow, you are the first uh, computer programmer I meet that is uh, that believes that the world was created 6,000. Not that that's a bad thing. Again, I'm just uh, pointing that out. The, the fact that this VR community is so diverse in terms of like the different ideologies and yet we all converge on this one topic is, is quite amazing to me. Um, and, and cool. All right. <laughs> you, you answered my question. I, I could go. I, I mean, I'm a. I am in uh, a heathen, and uh, I like I don't believe in anything, and I just have all these I'm, I'm like all these things I want to like, but no, no, I love you, and let's just keep it <laughs> well, at if that. We, if we want to get into it, if we want to get into it more sometime, we can do that when yes. we when we're in person if you want to. <laughs> yes, let let us let us, but but for now, uh, I'm just gonna leave it at I mean, that. I'm, very I'm interesting. Thanks for yeah, thanks for answering that question. Uh, w- one more question uh, in terms of. Um, Singularity. Do you think we'll, we'll we will reach uh, that point? Do you think the singularity will happen? It, that the singularity is nonsense. You think that you will never? We, computers will yeah. never reach human uh, processing ability. I'm just gonna leave it at that and say it's nonsense. But I answer. No, hold on, hold on. No, no, no. We don't do that. We don't do that on Enter VR. You need to answer. Like, uh, please answer my question. Like, I need to know. Like, do you think computers will never reach human processing ability? Uh. Computers will never be humans. They may they may reach all sorts of uh, what would I say the computational capacity to emulate human thought in many ways. But but humans are unique. We are as creatures are made in the image of God, and machines are not, and they do not have a living soul, and they will always be machines. And for that matter, they will never. You think they'll that they will never be capable of enslaving us? Uh, that's a that's a that's a different question. <laughs> <laughs> of of can a can a computer be capable of enslaving someone? Well, what what does that really mean? I mean, there's, Candy there's, Crush. There, well, they, well, there you go. In a sense that that there are there are. Uh, games that people spend way too much time on, <laughs> and so are they being enslaved by a machine? <laughs> I I. I I think that's a, I'll like to leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> well, this has been an awesome conversation. I'm just going to leave it at that, too. Um, that sounds good. Yeah. I, I'm glad you came along for the ride. I'm, I'm super happy that you are creating probably one of my favorite Rift games uh, out there. Yeah. And I'm super excited for your uh, cryptocurrency League of uh, Legends uh, competitive gaming VR experience. I, I can't wait for that. Uh, I'll stay posted for sure. So how can people stay in touch? How can people support what you're doing and all that good stuff? 
can uh, come to our website at pixelrouter.com or follow me at pixelrouter. And uh, we've got a YouTube channel too. So, um, yeah, those three things. And, of course, I post any relevant news up, up on Reddit and you'll see it. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, all that information uh, will be on the show notes. Uh, once again, James Andrew, <laughs> the creator of, of uh, Riff Wars, and uh, uh, you are the, the founder of Pixel Router, I believe? Uh, yes, yes, um, founder of Pixel Router. Thanks again for being on the show. It was really, it was really a pleasure. Thanks, Chris. It was great.